We're here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever, in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. This is Greg. Hello. And I'm Matt. So let's chat. Looking back, it seems that the awesome movies in 2003 were really awesome, and the bad movies were absolute crap. Film Geek saw Lord of the Rings take home 11 Oscars, and also saw Ang Lee's Hulk sedate entire theater-going audiences. Charlize Theron gave the performance of her life in Monster, and Cuba Gooding Jr. nearly tanked his career in Boat Trip. While the bulk of the bad movies remain forgotten and overshadowed, one bad movie from 2003 lives on in infamy. But no, we're not just talking about The Room here. We're here to chat about a movie about The Room. That's right, we're talking The Disaster Artist, part buddy comedy, part biopic. The Disaster Artist chronicles the making of what many consider to be the worst movie ever made. Here we go. Here we go. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. Um, Alrighty, so before we jump into The Disaster Artist, I think it only makes sense that we talk about The Room itself. Um, Yeah. So what's your first memory with The Room? I think my earliest memory is probably goes back to maybe around 2008 or 9 on the internet and just finding finding mentions of it on movie forums yeah um and then seeing people starting to do kind of the that style of review back then where like people would just do a commentary on a movie and mm. so yeah just seeing like the the jokes the inside jokes and then once i got some middle school friends into it we st- we found out that a local university was doing midnight screenings every Friday and so we started going to that as like the only children in the audience and yeah we got involved throwing spoons and <laughs> and, and shouting at the screen it was fun <laughs> Oh wow wow yeah i know i've heard about all these like midnight screenings and whatnot where it's just like these loud events and whatnot um I would absolutely kill to go to one of them. There was actually like a theater downtown in Toronto that was going to show um, the room at some point, but uh, you know, COVID nineteen happened, so yeah, we, we got to do that then. We got to do that absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's a very, it's a very weird movie. I think I heard about it from like the flick pick or something like that. I think he made a video about it, and I was like, what the hell is mm. this movie? Um, I started seeing more, you know, other movie reviews, like you said, and just kind of had to seek it out for myself. And it's just one of these movies. It's just like, it's crazy. It's just so bizarre, but kind of. So have you seen it in its entirety? I think I have, or at least seen most of it. Um, it's really yeah. hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, it's a very difficult movie to sit through sometimes, but at the same time, it's also really easy to sit through. In in a way, because it's very very enjoyable and this very kind of bad kind of just just weird experience. But it's 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 one I think if you're a movie lover, you've you've got to sit down and watch it um, at some point in time. Yeah, it definitely helps to have an audience of hecklers. I think with it because it oh, is really? so boring. Like a chunk of the movie <laughs> is just like what does this moment have to do with anything else? (laughs) 
And yeah, like nothing happens no, scene to true. scene most of the time. Yeah, no, for sure. I know like some people have said like you kind of need to watch it yourself first oh. and then go and see it um, with a crowd of people because, you know, first you, for, you see it for the first time, you kind of um, get the gist of it and whatnot like you kind of you know you kind of understand what it's all about and what it's all kind of uh what the jokes are and whatnot you start to know some of the lines and some of these quotable moments you know these uh you know so anyway how's your sex life you know that kind of that kind of yeah, stuff that stuff um, would be really confusing if like you had no idea about the, the cult following and you just like popped into a theater to watch it that would just be super confusing <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i think that's how everybody felt on opening night um probably That's true, yeah it's a good movie though like oh well just not not a good movie like it's just a good experience to have because it's it's so different and it's unlike anything you've ever seen before it, it's a it's a great example of like a, a movie done by or at least i should say a movie led by someone who doesn't know what they're doing and not being questioned at all about how they're doing it, you know? Exactly. It's, it's a bad idea, a bad script, and then it's on top of that poorly executed. Yeah, exactly. And it's just interesting, especially when we're looking at it in relation to the disaster artist, how, like, how do these bad movies get made, you know? Like, how mm. how do these things get made? And it's interesting because this Tommy Wiseau, he, he seems like the, the weirdest guy ever. Um, he's so weird. He's like an alien. He really is. He and honestly, like for a for a number of years, I was thinking like I had a I had a theory and like half genuine, half like obviously this couldn't be true. But I genuinely had a theory that he was you know a comedian from like another country who decided just to come to the states and just fuck with people because that's the only yeah like an andy kaufman or something yeah yeah that kind of thing and i'm like that's the only thing that makes any sense to me because this movie i just don't know how anybody could see it and just go yeah no that that's good that that's a good that's what i meant to make yeah that's what i that's what i was trying to do that's that's what i wanted have you read the book the book the uh the disaster artist yeah that one i haven't I've, i've read i have it and i i've read like a little bit of it but um yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't read it all, um, but I look forward to it because it's a very, it's very, it's just very interesting to hear it from somebody who um, was on that movie set and was pretty like well involved in the production, yeah. but at the same time was like, you know, ha- had a sense of like what the hell is going mm-hmm. on? Like this is, you know, um, but still for some reason was. Um, you know, still involved. Complacent. Just like, why? <laughs> yeah, I just kind of was like, you know, uh, why not? Yeah, you know? yeah, and for the record, I haven't read the book either that, that the movie is mm-hmm. based on, but it is interesting to see the perspective of some, like the rare person who actually got close to Tommy Wiseau because it seems like he doesn't let anyone into his life. So it's like a, kind of a, a taste of the mystery. So I, I look forward to reading that eventually too. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. I I definitely think that it's um, it's an extremely interesting. It'll be a very interesting look. I think it's interesting to look at um stories where it's it's not like the main person. It's it's told from like the point of view of like the outsider and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah, like something like like this is the only time the movie Whiplash will be compared to The Room or The Disaster <laughs> Artist, but kind of like that where it's it's like. 
you, you're there because you're interested in J.K. Simmons, but you're being told the story through Miles Teller. And that's how I feel yeah. about, you know, Greg Sestero, but it's really the story of uh, Tommy Wiseau. It's just... That's a really interesting point. Yeah. That we're looking at it <laughs> from an outsider's point of view, and I wonder how much that contributes to the tone of the movie. Exactly, yeah. And the, I know that the movie, um, The Disaster Artist, is based on... Um, well, the disaster artist. But it's interesting because Tommy Wiseau said the book is like 40% true or something like that. Like he was like, Yeah, you know, of course. It was not that factual. <laughs> I, I can't do his accent, but yeah, that's basically. If Tommy wrote it, it'd be a completely different story. Yeah, yeah there would be a lot more sex scenes with RMB music playing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a totally different movie. Um, before we get into the disaster artist, I have to ask, who is your favorite character from the room? Like the original. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I gotta, I gotta give credit to the 40 year old little boy, Denny, <laughs> who's, who's named after a diner for some reason. <laughs> And is, like, really intimately involved in the life of this, like, weird ogre of an adult. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's very weird. Like, oh, we're going upstairs. Oh, can I watch? What What is he doing? What, what does he want? Who is he? You know, there's so know. many unanswered questions. Like, my God. It, it's like Tommy Wiseau's idea of innocence or something, maybe? Or am I giving him too much credit for even thinking that deeply into that? <laughs> who knows because i mean it's just i feel like even innocent people are like you're going upstairs yeah i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave the house i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stick around yeah there's some boundaries there's some boundaries yes he's a mystery he's an enigma um what's what's he clearly has like a seedy underbelly of a life where he's like he owes drug money or something yeah like what is going on um, he's the he should have been the focus, I guess. Maybe honestly, because his story is a lot more interesting than Tommy's. I mean, what what what's Tommy going through or Johnny going through? He he's got you know his 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 girlfriend's cheating on him. Like okay, I'm not saying that's not it. interesting. I'm just saying you know I just think yeah that not not the way to, he told it. Not the way he told it. Yeah, he kind of he kind of made it seem like I don't know. He's just. It's weird. And also, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like The Room could be an interesting movie if it was written really well, because there are some interesting ideas, but he just doesn't, you know, flesh them out, like, at all. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot of real emotions in there. I think he also has, like, a really almost childish perspective, too, of, like, when an immature guy finds out his girlfriend cheats on him, it's never because, like, he did anything wrong just like oh she's crazy she's crazy like there's no motivation or anything right yeah so it's like he kind of writes the story yeah. that way of like why does lisa do this oh she's crazy she's evil like well you know what yeah. i mean it's like he doesn't understand kind of you're you're not the hero of this story maybe yeah exactly <laughs> like this is he he it's funny that he sees himself as like the hero in this story like i don't find johnny that heroic i don't think he's really he really does anything all that important. Like, and, no. and he just, like, this would be an interesting movie if, like, he had the understanding of, like, people aren't, like, you know, good or all good or all bad. Like, they're, there's a gray area with people is that they, they do, mm-hmm. they do good things, they do bad things, but that doesn't make you, you know, a good or bad person. But also, 
the fact that we're having this conversation, I feel like we're giving him so much credit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's true. That's true. We're definitely, we're showing the English major colors of like trying to read it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. But I mean, honestly, people have been making fun of this movie like nonstop for 17 years. I think it deserves at least one reading where we try and give it a little bit of credit. What do you think would make The Room actually like a good movie besides the fact that, you know, Tommy Wiseau editing, producing, writing, directing and starring in this movie? He's just he's generally incompetent. Like if this movie was handed to another person, just the script and they were like. You know, I gotta make this. I gotta make this an Oscar winner. You know, what do you think would make it? Um, you know, a, I think, a good movie. I think it's like that George Lucas prequels disease, kind of where like <laughs> <laughs> nobody questioned him. Nobody yeah. like when when you're working on something collaborative, especially a movie. There's so many people around. Like the environment should should have been open for people to be like, hey, maybe there's a better way to do this, or like, that doesn't really make sense. Like, have you thought about this? You know, like, mm-hmm. some more more collaboration. I don't know. What, what do you think? I don't know. Yeah, I think the collaboration is definitely a, a big thing there. Um, it kind of, this movie really feels like, um, like, it feels like a first draft, too. Like, it doesn't feel like a cohesive movie, but it feels like, a really, really awful first draft to a movie. Um, you know, it feels like this guy wrote the ideas and he had a bunch of different like thoughts, but he kind of was like, you know what? Like on the second draft, I'm really gonna like cut some stuff out and like flesh. figure out what the plot is. Yeah. Like he, he kind of knew, like, I, I want to make a movie that kind of has like, cause it feels like, what he was trying to go for was maybe like it was the story about the people that live in this very um you know like a like a like a very a very tightly um knit group of people who live like on mm. a street or something or like in a like in, in like an apartment building i think that would have made more sense yeah like a close community yeah like a really close community and like the issues that kind of surround that and i think that could have been like an interesting story but like it just did not come out that way at all because he just was like okay well she's got breast cancer and he's got money issues and she's cheating and then she's like accusing and none of it goes anywhere none of it goes anywhere and it's just like it was like he wrote all these ideas and then he was like well if i were to put all these ideas in a movie it would it would make like a feature length film so i should just make it but like yeah that doesn't you, make a good movie you know That's- you definitely <laughs> nailed it there like it's like oh, he wrote you. down the first ideas and then was like all right that's it yeah like it's just like <laughs> what do i like they don't even they, they come up so like infrequently too or like they come up just out in weird orders like this whole thing with lisa accusing johnny of hitting her like that's that's, that's, that could be really interesting. That could be a really interesting plot in a movie. Yeah, yeah, why a person might make that up or why that might have happened anyways, like if Johnny had done it. Yeah. You know, if, it, if they didn't just shine him in such a sympathetic light and Lisa as like this complete, pure, chaotic evil. Yeah. You know I mean? It's very weird. I think it's it's good to go come from a generous place, though, because like you said, exactly. people have torn into it for a long time and that's been mm-hmm. done. And... Since we're looking at, you know, a depiction of what might have gone on in real life, giving it giving it a generous look 
it at least reveals something about what Wiseau was like. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely, I don't know. Like, I just, I think it's interesting um, that this is something I don't think the movie really looks at, looks at is that, um, like, I feel like the movie really, the disaster artist, I mean, really focuses on like um, that desire and that want to like make something and that like genuine, like just, does just like drive to just achieve what you're what you feel like you're meant to do and just like just never giving up like i feel like that was kind of the story behind the movie yes um but it's not really but it never really went into detail about um like why was this why was it like written this way like what was going on with tommy and i guess that's kind of the the issue because like i mean we'll never really know what's what's up with tommy wiseau because he's he's very secretive he's very you know um doesn't really reveal a lot about himself so it's hard Mm -hmm. to really know what exactly like went into that i think that's something that's just always going to be like kind of missing from um yeah, from the movie and yeah. from the story. And I think that maybe that kind of contributes to some of the flaws of the movie, too, that, like, they try and focus it on this very enigmatic figure when, like, we don't, like, it's hard to tell the motivation. Like, what does he want other than, like, I get it. It's it, The part of the joke is that, like, he's just a big idiot, right? But mm-hmm. it, it makes it harder to connect to him, maybe, in exactly. some moments. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I definitely think that we, um, also, if you're watching this and you are listening to this and you, and you haven't seen the disaster artist, just, we're going to totally spoil this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I mean like these movies based on true stories, like, I mean, can you really, it's true. Wikipedia spoils it to you. <laughs> Wikipedia spoils it to you, you know, <laughs> like I haven't watched tiger King yet. And I looked up, I think the main guy on it and I'm like, okay, well I just ruined the whole show for me. But anyway, <laughs> it's about the journey, not the, not the destination. Um, exactly. You know? But, um, yeah, no, I definitely think that is, like, a flaw because um, I brought up Whiplash earlier. We're seeing Whiplash. Um, we're seeing a character through the eyes of another character. And I think the the thing that works with, like, that movie is that, like, you eventually kind of find out what's going on with J.K. Simmons. Like, you kind of find out how he looks at things and how he mm-hmm. sees people and, like, how he sees the art form that he's um, – teaching and that he's trying to improve like you kind of you kind you get of, that through other people you get that through other people yeah and, and you might not know everything about him but you know um you know enough to be like okay i i understand what's going on with him um but you don't really get that in the disaster artist with tommy you don't really you 100%. never yeah you never really know what's what's going on with him you just know he wants to be an actor and that's like yeah, and when you do when they do start to dig into who he is a little bit, it's often not from a genuine perspective and more from like, oh yeah, look at look at what a fool he is, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to relate to that. We're going to laugh at that. Yeah, exactly. I definitely think that um I th- I do think that he is a a good um he does re- I think James Franco does a really good job playing Tommy Wiseau. I definitely 100%. 100%. He won a Golden Globe for this performance. I definitely think he deserved it. Um he's very he's very funny in this movie. But I did, the thing is even though we don't completely connect with him, I do still I do still like kind of feel bad for him in a way because I'm like 
you know, like I get it. He wants to succeed, and that's what he he, he desires so badly. But definitely, I think I, yeah. I uh, there were a few moments where I pitied him. Like I wondered if he had like some kind of head trauma at some point. Like, yeah, it's just something. is this is this someone who has like been in a terrible accident or something? Like yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like we'll never really know, and or like, if he if he's even like just dealt with something. Um, you know, really like upsetting or something like that. And this is like, a, yeah, this is something like, like he seems, we even see him in the movies, a bit of like a, he's a bit of a control freak and a bit like, um, mm-hmm. very controlling. Even like, that's the one thing is that, um, I know on the set he was, you know, probably not, I don't think he was the easiest guy to work with. Um, no, yeah. Tommy Wiseau, he's, yeah. Yeah, he seemed he seemed wild from the stories I've read. Yeah. And I almost wonder like why where that exactly comes from and like I don't know, that's one thing I definitely think that they defi- that James Franco really did hit uh the nail in place was showing like Tommy as kind of this insecure controlling mm. person because we see that like pretty much almost like um like about 20 minutes into the movie when uh, Dave Franco meets Alison Brie at a bar. Yeah. Um, and he wants to leave all of a sudden. Yeah. He, you see it in his face. He's like, Oh, he's my friend is talking to a woman and he's not paying attention to me. Like I, 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 I don't like seeing that. And that, that bothers me. And it's just, what exactly is, is going on there? You know? Yeah. I think, I think that also to me, it ties into his obsession with his self image too, where he's, He's really concerned with how people see him and that he's not a monster, right? Everyone, like, there's mm-hmm. the scene where uh, Odenkirk's character tells him, like, you'd make a great Frankenstein. He's like, no, I'm not a monster. And, like, people yeah. tell him he's a monster. I hero, you all villain, or whatever he says. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah. That's a really, really, like, good part, too, because that's a, that's one of the, we'll get in the cameos in a bit, but um, that's a really good cameo in that in that movie, in, in yes. The Disaster Artist, because... That's something he probably. I, I don't know if he dealt with that for sure. I haven't. I haven't really read into his um, his like you know um, performances before the room and whatnot. But mm-hmm. he he definitely looks like somebody who would be cast as like a villain. You know, he doesn't yeah. look. Yeah, he he, he kind of. And I remember Seth Rogen. I think even said like in an interview when he, he met Tommy Wiseau at like a grocery store, and he said there's kind of like a. There's kind of like a vampire like sense to him. Yeah. Like and I don't know what that means exactly, but it's definitely I don't yeah. think that's a compliment. <laughs> you know? I mean, I could definitely like if I don't know, maybe it's reading into someone I don't know too much, but I could see him being concerned at least with his looks and 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 his image because he's so secretive, mm-hmm. right? Like he doesn't want people to know how old he is. He doesn't want people to know where he's from. He wants people to think he's from New Orleans, like <laughs> when clearly he isn't. So yeah. there is maybe that might be a response to like stigma he's faced or just just being judged and stuff. Exactly. So yeah, there, yeah. There's, there might be something to that. And I think James Franco got that across well. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I think that, James Franco did a, a a really good job at portraying this character because it would have been very easy to just make this a movie where it's just like, you know, like, oh, Greg meets Tommy and Tommy, the first thing Tommy says to Greg is, how's your sex life? Like, it could have just been a whole, like, um, this long, like, 90-minute, you know, just, oh, let's just, you know, low-hanging fruit um, joke fest that, uh, of just, like, 
punching using the room as like a punching bag but this one this one kind of like tries to be like okay like what exactly like happens with like a a movie that that turns out this bad like what is that production like and that's what i think the opening is so uh why the opening is so important because it just starts off with like adam scott and uh Lizzie Kaplan, Kristen Bell, like all these big name actors or well-known actors just being like, what the hell happened in this? What happened here with this, this movie? Like, why, why did it happen this way? And then, you know, going into the, the production of it, I think, I think it's, that's an interesting look at it, but. I don't yeah, know. I agree. I, I think what you said about low hanging fruit is pretty accurate in like what could have doomed the movie. Because I definitely think mm-hmm. on paper, a lot of the jokes are kind of just at the expense of the room or at the expense of Wiseau or at the expense of the 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 movie itself, you know? Mm-hmm. And so with like a couple of really good performances, mainly from like the two Franco brothers, it is oh, yeah. more of a relatable story. Absolutely. Because all those, those low-hanging fruit are kind of then attached maybe to... A somewhat sympathetic character. I definitely think Greg Sestero's character is more sympathetic than Tommy's, but I I, I pity Tommy for sure. At oh the moments. yeah. Like how often do you see a character that looks like Tommy as like the person you pity? You know, like it just seems like mm. usually you just be like, oh that guy's like fucking asshole and with the he's crazy yeah yeah, and with like all the things like on the room i feel like it would have been easy for greg to be like look this guy fucking sucks and like i had a terrible time making this movie and like i don't really want to like i don't i didn't enjoy this this could have easily been like a comedy but having a very dark light attached to it with somebody being like tommy was a piece of shit he was an asshole and he he made like he he made this movie. He was controlling. He made things like uncomfortable for people. Like it could have, you know, with a different shade, this movie could have been very different. Um, but like you said, with that sympathetic light that Greg has, I feel like it really mm-hmm. it really gives you kind of like another look at how he. And that's the other thing too. I think I think Greg in the movie he's portrayed as seeing Tommy in a very different light than everybody else does. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody else is kind of like, what is going on with this guy? This guy's weird, but like Dave Franco, it's rooted character. in their friendship. Yeah, like the, he he genuinely like he likes him, and he's like, you know what? Like I I like the guy, and I think he's he's like a cool guy, and like uh, to the downfall of his other relationships, right? Like he, exactly, he that. tries to be a loyal friend despite the fact that like. Tommy is kind of like objectively abusive and weird, but yeah, that's the thing. I think that makes this movie work is that it is like a buddy movie that this is like, you know, it's, it, it, it feels like it's a, like it's a a movie about friendship first and then Mm -hmm. about the room. Um, like this feels like a very like real story about a friendship, um, in such a cutthroat place like Hollywood. Um, it's true. Like, I, it made yeah. me wonder at first when I was watching it, the first time I saw it, I was thinking, okay, is Sestero just, um, is he taking advantage of Wiseau because he has money? But then seeing that kind of blossom into an actual friendship and that, that being the source of, like, the tensions in the movie, I definitely think that worked well. Yeah. Because it is such a cutthroat area, like you said, that you'd think, you know, mm-hmm. they might not be genuine. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, 
that's the thing I find interesting too. Like as being somebody who's like acted before and whatnot, like I definitely could kind of relate to Greg and whatnot. Like I, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that actually the movie like starts his story starts off like at an acting class where he's um he's not competent. He's kind of like you know. I don't know, man. Like he, he wants to be an actor, but he, he has a really hard time coming out of his shell. And then yeah, he's shy. Yeah, and then he meets Tommy, who's like I think he's probably like you know this guy's not a great actor, but he's so <laughs> confident that he's like I don't even like he's just like I just I need I need that, and then you know he helps bring that out of him. So like mm-hmm. you know for better or for worse, he brought something really great out of Greg, and he made him a more confident person. So. I think that just kind of like becomes like something like a like that just kind of shows how their friendship grows and whatnot. I think that was yeah. such a such a nice way to start off the movie because in in the end I feel like this movie is really like it's just sweet and it just has like a nice like friend vibe to it and it's funny like we that I say that because like you've said uh a minute ago like it's um like he can be very manipulative and objectively like abusive to Greg. Yeah. But this movie still succeeds in having like a really nice uh layer of like friendship and just like compassion towards others and Absolutely. You know. and, and I I honestly would have appreciated an even heavier uh lean into Greg's character in the movie. Because I think that that's where that heart is come that heart comes from is looking at Hollywood through these like young, fresh eyes who who admires weirdos and like wants to do better and is shy. And so maybe Maybe if there's an improvement in the story, that would have been cool. It would have been that like more of a focus on on that story arc rather than often cutting away to other people reacting to Wiseau or or just oh, Tommy's yeah. life in general. Yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah, I definitely, I definitely would have liked to have seen Greg as a little bit more of like I would have liked to have seen his opinion on like a couple other things. Um, I think Dave Franco was like really good in this movie. I always, I always like Dave Franco. I think he's, I think he's very good. Um, yeah, he's great. He's a great actor. And he's, have you seen that movie Six Balloons? No, I haven't. That's, what oh, year's man. that? It's, uh, it was like 2017, 2018 or whatever. Um, okay. It was him and Abby Jacobson. And it's a very, it's a super dramatic movie. He plays a heroin addict who's just relapsed. And, uh, it's on Netflix. I, it, it I'd recommend it to anybody watching it. Uh, it's a very dark movie and it's a heavy movie, but it's a very, very good movie. And it really shows um, Dave Franco's range. Um, yeah. And he yeah. shows that off too here. Yeah, no, for sure. Like when I was watching this, I was like, he seems to get better every time I see him. Um, I wouldn't say this is like his best performance, but I definitely think he's, I definitely think he's very good in it and that, this movie really needs you to have like a likable person to latch onto and and to be like an everyman who like, you know, you, who you like, but is also like you can understand would want to hang out with Tommy. Um, and I feel like he does that just so well. Like he does that with such ease that it's like, yeah, like, yeah. My, my only problem with that character is a not focused on enough. Mm-hmm. And B, the, the the terrible wig and beard. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I, that was distracting. That was really, that, that's the one thing I really, that really bothers me about this movie. There's, there's something, this movie seems like, <laughs> there's something about this movie that feels like a bunch of people dressing up like in the room cosplay. 
Like they took an ex- the the movie's production is an excuse for them to just kind of dress up as the room. Yeah, and it's just like there's something weird about this movie that just feels like off in a weird way, and I don't really know how to kind of put my finger on it. But it's just there's something weird about this movie. I think it's because there's this there's there's a disconnect in style. Like they often do that like handheld camera mm-hmm. kind of like a documentary. Like especially yeah. I was noticing it a lot in the in the first like restaurant scene between Tommy and and Greg where the camera's kinda handheld and shaky like they're doing a documentary, but then at other times they're doing like more traditional comedy kind of directing, like where oh, yeah. it's a big wide shot. Yeah. And so trying to pull off realism, but then you have this like fake ass beard and fake hair <laughs> and like there's a disconnect there. It makes it feel kind of, I don't want to say cheap because it's clearly not a cheap movie, mm-hmm. but it, it feels like it's not, it doesn't look as polished as it should. Yeah. There's something about this movie that just like looks just, yeah, just like you said, basically it just looks kind of unpolished and I don't know. It, it kind of, it kind of felt like weird watching this. Cause I'm like, I don't know. And then I don't know. Maybe it was something he was trying to go for. Like, cause it's the room it's based off of, which is the most unpolished of unpolished yeah, movies. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it's just like kind of distracting. Cause I'm like, I, I, I just want to look, I just want to see a movie where you're going to, you know, take a couple punches at the, at the room and, you know, make us laugh. And this is, this is like distracting. Yeah, I think it's it's it comes down to them not settling on one specific style. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. I would agree with that. I, I definitely think the style is 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 very strange. Um, and that's the thing that I was also thinking is I was like, this must be because James Franco is behind the camera, um, because he makes some weird movies, man. Yeah, yeah. Like he, his, he actually directed this. He directed uh, the Disaster Artist, um, but he's made some like other movies before the disaster artist and i they just seem like very bizarre movies like i know he made like i think a couple like william faulkner adaptations or something like that and huh yeah he's made some weird movies um he's a very artistic person he he's but he strikes me as like kind of an art nerd yeah yeah he's just i don't know i i think sometimes you know it's just just be straight up, man. Like, just you don't need to try and create your own style. Like, we love it, but at the same time, like... Well, that's the thing. Dude. Or at least pick a style and go with it for the whole movie. Like, if you're going to go for that cheap look, commit to it. If you're going to go for a documentary, commit to it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this was a this was a weird thing. I'm looking at the movies he's directed. He's directed quite a few, and I've heard of none of them. So, I don't know. He... It's just weird. It's weird when you um a big name like this has made so many movies that have just flown kind of under the radar and mm. whatnot. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing always. Not a bad you know, thing, some no. sometimes those those kinds of movies are just to like experiment and grow as an artist, but Absolutely. I don't know. If disaster artist shows me anything, it's that at least as a director, Franco has some growing to do. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that. I feel like this movie like it almost because because he has a history of doing experimental films, it almost feels like that kind of got in the mix here, where it's like it's something about this feels like he was experimenting something of some sort. I don't quite know what, but feels like he did some experiment and it didn't quite pan out right. And I don't know, the style is off putting a little. 
Yeah, I almost would have appreciated, like, you know how at the end they show the the clips of how they remade the room, basically, how yeah. accurately? I almost would have appreciated as, like, like even more of an experiment. Just see what happens if, like, a bunch of real actors and, and directors tried to just remake the room. Yeah. Because he's got the impression down. Like, he nails the Tommy <laughs> impression. So to just see, like, an all-star actor try and redo it, like, that, oh, that yeah. could have been fun. Yeah, no, it would have been really fun to see it with, like... um to see it with all the actors that they got. That's the one thing I love about this movie is they got an amazing cast playing these yeah. ridiculous roles. Um, I remember reading the cast, like when I first heard about this movie, um, or when they first released like the cast list and whatnot, and like who was in it. And I was just like, Josh Hutcherson is the perfect Denny. Fuck. That was some of the funniest moments in the movie. That oh yeah. Made me chuckle was when his, when Denny's character is like, how old am I supposed to be, Tommy? And Tommy's like, oh, you're a little boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I'm just, 26. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll just play it like you. Like, you're 16, 17, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm 26, man. Like, come on. <laughs> that was a funny part. I was always disappointed that they never, he never did that part where, um, in the room where he's like, stop ganging up on me. Like, I was always sad that never made it into the movie. <laughs> um, but man, this yeah, he was the cast is fantastic. The cast is fantastic. Also, Jackie Weaver as um as Claudette. That is, she's an Oscar nominated actress. <laughs> she's she's fantastic. Um, and she's in this movie playing one of the dumbest like older characters of all time. Who just comes in and just says stupid shit and then leaves. It's just so funny to see her question, like his direction being like, does this come back? This thing about the breast cancer, does this come back? Or is this just going to be like we say it and then that's it? Like, I don't know. It's a great cameo. It's, it's and fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think another one of my faves has to be Hannibal Burris. Oh, I just yeah. love him and whatever he's in, oh, even yeah. though the scene is kind of weird, just seeing it's part of what I don't like, but also part of what I like. I love the cameos, but it's also a moment that is very firmly not from Tommy or Greg's perspective, where it's just like these two video, uh, like the production tool mm-hmm. rental people just kind of looking like, okay, what an idiot. Let's take advantage of him. Yeah. Um, but I just like, love yeah. the tone of it. Their comedy worked well. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of comedians that are in this movie that are just like, they come in and they do a scene and it's hilarious. Um, but um, yeah, no, I definitely see what you mean with that. I kind of like that it's from the, that it sometimes switches to the perspective of like other people where it's like, mm. what is going on? But I definitely think they could have maybe dialed that back a little bit. Um, Cause they already, I mean, they already had Seth Rogen as like, kind of like that third person who's like, what's going on? Like, this is, this is really weird. Like that, you're acting like this and that you are kind of you think this way about making movies like it doesn't make any sense yeah um it's hard to say because like the cameos are so enjoyable oh yeah right like all of them but yeah yeah there are a couple where i definitely think that they they definitely wasted some people um that's very disappointing i think sharon stone is really wasted in this movie yeah um literally comes on screen and says okay yeah, you're, I'm your agent, and then leaves, and it's like, why? We you never get, see her again. We never see her again, and she just says that one thing, and that's it. Um, 
I think the thing I really hate in some of these is that they really did waste some really talented people who have the ability to be very funny and they just kind of, it just didn't make any sense. Like, I don't know if you know who Zoe Deutsch is. Do you know who she is? No, I don't think so. Yeah, she was in like, I think she was in this movie Why Him with uh, James Franco like the year before. Like, um, it was like that, it was that, it was that like Meet the Parents kind of style oh remember i, that I know one? the one you're talking about With i Brian can picture Cranston. the yeah i can picture the poster yeah. yeah yeah that one so like she was the daughter in that movie and like brian cranston um was like her dad and she you know he's like oh uh, you're dating james franco and james franco likes this like weird rich guy and he's like oh i want to marry your daughter and he's like no you can't it's one of those <laughs> meet the parents basically yeah um but zoe deutsch is um She's very, very funny. And she's been, she's been growing, um, in like a lot of, she's been making, making more, she's been steadily making more movies over the past few years. She started out on like Sweet Life on Deck and now she's in, you know, Damn. now she's had just recently had a supporting role in, uh, Zombieland Double Tap and she's hilarious. Oh, okay. She, yeah, I definitely know who yeah. you're talking about now. Yeah. And she's also Leah Thompson's daughter. Um, and Leah Thompson is the Lorraine Bates from uh, Lorraine Baines or whatever her name is from uh, Back to the Future. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She like Zoe Deutsch doesn't do anything in this movie. She I don't think she has a single line. Um, Damn. And she's. <laughs> yeah. That's why I didn't notice her. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, you know what scene she's in? She's at the very beginning at the acting class. Remember how James Franco goes up and he does the streetcar named Desire. He does the Stella. Yeah. You know how he stand. He's on stage with a with a girl. Like he, he's like, "Hey, Bobby, let's do this scene or whatever." And this girl like gets up on stage with him. Yeah, yeah. That's Zoe Deutsch. Okay, yeah. Why even have her in there? Then? Yeah, I guess she's friends with Franco, basically. Yeah, and it's like, why? Like, it's just, it's so pointless because it's I, a waste. It, it is a waste, you know. And it's not like it, it wasn't like Deadpool two, like Brad Pitt's cameo, where it's like the whole. No, that's the joke. That's yeah. the joke is that it's literally like he's, he's invisible the whole movie, and then you see him for literally two seconds. Um, yeah, this was like she's just standing in the background. Like, why would you? Why would you get this talented actress and then put her in this movie just so she could do nothing? You know, that's damn. Yeah. I just think it's a waste. Um, because she she really is talented. Like I can almost see her playing Allison Brie's part. Um, if mm. if if Allison Brie obviously wasn't like available, I think Allison Brie was great in this movie as well. Um, yeah, I mean the the chemistry is obvious too. They're, they're together in real life, so I, I can see oh, yeah. why they went with that. But it 100%. it also helps. It helps kind of bring perspective to the movie as like it is a bunch of friends. You oh know? yeah, absolutely, and you definitely feel that too. Like I mean, I there's so many times in the past where Seth Rogen and Joe, uh, James Franco have collaborated and whatnot. Like yeah, you know, Pineapple Express and This Is the End. All these movies, um, all these other buddy movies. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And this is like the one thing that they do really well is they that James Franco and uh, well Seth Rogen more I should say. Um, does buddy movies like really well? He does, you know, super bad. He does, uh, Pineapple Express. He does, um, Knocked Up's not really a buddy movie, but there's a big group of friends. Yeah, there's in buddies. It. Buddies in the, in that movie. And <laughs> same then, same with 40 year old virgin. Yeah. Same with 40 year old virgin. Same with, uh, This is the End. Like, there's so much there. Um, and I think James Franco definitely, like, um, 
got that a little bit. He from... tried to channel that. Yeah, I, think I don't he, know if he, he used did. his buddies as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, he definitely he he definitely made a good story about buddies. Um, although it seemed like most of his buddies really didn't like him in this movie. No, um, yeah, I, I found <laughs> speaking of like yeah, buddies cameoing also that like Judd Apatow's cameo. I mean, it's not like I was absorbed in the movie at any point, but if I was already, like, pulled out of the realism of it, that pulled me out even more because, I mean, not just because I recognize him, but also because I can see why he spends a lot of his time behind the camera. You know what I mean? Oh, you didn't like him in this movie? Like, you thought he was... I don't... I I just... I didn't really like his performance as much. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I kind of like it. um, Yeah? Because he's definitely this person that you see in this big... Like, you know who he is, you know? And I think that's the only way, like, this kind of, um, this could kind of work the scene where you're like, um, you need somebody who's, who's, who's known behind the camera and whatnot. Um, but he definitely, yeah, no, I, I don't think he's, it makes sense that he's behind the camera a lot more often, but, um, no, you're right though. It does add something in the sense that like, yeah, he's an instantly recognizable, like big name. And so yeah. you see him in the restaurant, and you're like, "Oh shit, Tommy's gonna go embarrass himself." Exactly, but um, but yeah, no, it's definitely like, I don't know. I always find it funny how much of an asshole he is in that movie or in this mm-hmm. movie. Like to have the fact that he's just like, um, you know, oh, thanks for rushing over. He got through two acts of Shakespeare. Like I find it just <laughs> funny how much of a dick he is. Um, and yeah, to make it even true. funnier, when he was promoting this movie, I think, well, I think Judd Apatow, I don't think he was promoting this movie, but he was promoting something around the time this movie came out. Um, and he was talking about the cameo in it. And he said, like, oh, he, he was like, James Franco said this thing where he said, like, oh, Judd Apatow is, you know, cameoing as himself. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> Fuck you, man. Like, that's not me. I don't, I don't do that. It's and maybe not. that's what I didn't like. I was like, oh, damn. I, I always wanted him to be likable. <laughs> it's, it's definitely fair because he, he, he is one of those guys that you really want him to be. I, mean, I think I think I'm warming up to it. I, I've warmed up to it a little bit. Yeah. I, I, can, I can see how it works there. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. But he definitely um, he's, he's a director and writer before, you know, actor for sure. Um but yeah, no, I definitely think he was great. My, I gotta, I gotta talk about one cameo before we move on. Is um, oh, Zach Efron. Where was he? He was um, he was Chris R. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he was the drug dealer. Fuck yeah, he, he disappeared. He <laughs> is my favorite cameo in the movie because I mean he yeah, cameos no. twice because he he's in that scene and then he's also. Um, what do you call it? He's at the premiere later on in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Fuck, I can't believe I forgot about it. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. That was just the, because here's the thing that I love about this movie, and we'll get more into it when we start talking a little bit deeper and whatnot in the movie's message and, you know, um, is that the people, like, the, the actors in this movie, a lot of these actors were probably very, like, serious and wanted to do great things, um, and unfortunately, ended up in a shitty movie. I mean, like, you look at somebody like George Clooney, people are like, hey, man, why did you do, you know, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes in the 80s? Like, why 
Why were you in that he, movie? You got to take a job. Right? Exactly. That's he even said that too. Like he said, like people ask me that, and he's like, I got the part. That's why I took the role. Yeah, I, that's the whole point of the, the job. You know? Yeah. Like it's like we don't just we can't choose. Like I don't, I don't have any choices. Like to make it's not like scorsese or you know attack of the killer tomatoes like he, he, it's no it's attack of the killer tomatoes or homelessness you know um so it's interesting to kind of see that kind of shine in a little bit where you see these actors come in and they're like hey man like we gotta we gotta do our our thing like i want to be an actor we gotta we gotta start somewhere and you're right you know? i did love those moments where um i forget which character said it, but someone said, like, even a shitty day on set is better than not being on set. Yeah. That and was, I totally feel that. That from, was... Um, from my little experience, it's like, oh, that is yeah. the most relatable thing. Like, even when it's a fucking 12-hour day and you're mm. lugging equipment around, it's like, this is better than not doing this. Exactly. I, I did, That was Jackie Weaver's character. Um, right. Who said that. And she... Also, that's what I also love, is that, like, they got... Some some of the cameos they got really good people and they did utilize them. Like I definitely I loved hearing that from Jackie Weaver because she's a great she's an amazing actress and hearing her and hearing her say that I think was you know definitely kind of brought the movie up a notch um, for sure. Um, like her delivery and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that because like these people are doing something that they love doing and that's. That's definitely something that, um, you know, these people, they want to, they, they're doing they're even if it's a, a terrible movie, they are doing what they have always dreamed of doing. And I think that that's, you know, in some way it's, it's bittersweet because yeah, this movie, you know, it fucking tanked and people remember it as one of the worst movies ever made. But, yeah. But it hey, tanked, it tanked careers, tanked but. careers, but these people are remembered as like, Hey, Meg, you were in the room. And at this point in time, like, that's not even a bad thing anymore. That's like dude you were in the fucking room like it's legendary it's legendary you know yeah it's true yeah just to have made something that so many people have seen whether it's good or bad like that is kind of a, a win you know Mm-hmm. yeah no for sure like it's definitely something and i mean like i don't think anybody like dislikes people like who did the the room no. or something like that like it's not like batman it's not like michael bay or something like that where like he took a franchise and made it like this big thing and kind of like ruined it and people are like well fuck you man you like took this thing i loved from my childhood and like you know <laughs> like ruined it like no yeah these people were just they just weren't that great of actors but it was really enjoyable to watch i mean i think that's way more um enjoyable to to see and it's more relatable yeah no it's like sure. i could make something that bad yeah yeah <laughs> And in some ways, too, people are like, I don't even think I could make something that bad. And that's what makes it so interesting because <laughs> it's you're like, because you're like, well, like I could make something like I could because people. it's funny to look at because like you see a great movie and you're like, I could never make something that great. But like you see something like this and you're like, well, I could never make something that bad. Like you, you can, even if I made something shit, it's not going to be legendarily garbage. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> Which is really like kind of funny in this twisted kind of perverse way like to look at this movie and be like this this is this is unique in its own thing and yeah you know in those ways in those kind of optimistic moments those are the moments i love in this movie a lot is the stuff that makes me feel excited about making garbage basically exactly (laughs) it's it it, and you know like it's it's definitely that thing and that that's the thing i love too about this movie is that i find it interesting that they that this 
obviously it's a biopic and it's not um just like made up and whatnot this is like an actual thing that happened i just love Mm -hmm. that um like this also happened but had the opposite effect with matt damon and ben affleck with goodwill hunting because those were two guys who were like we gotta make it you know we want to make it in hollywood we want to we want to you know be big or Whatever. Yeah, they were ambitious. They were yeah. ambitious, and they just thought we got to do this ourselves. Um, I know Matt Damon has said that, like in an interview. Um, I think it was like the off-camera show or something like that. And he was like, "We gotta, we gotta, you know, try and do this like ourselves, or we're not going to get there at all." Um, so they wrote, you know, Goodwill Hunting, and look where they are now. Like they just, they this movie. It's interesting to look at it because I feel like they just had the complete opposite effects. Like one. They they wrote a script and it was amazing, and then the other one they wrote a script and it was, you know, garbage. But the execution definitely changed both of them. I mean, obviously, look, the story of the disaster artist is in part that like this artist is like incompetent mm-hmm. and doesn't know how to do this. But also, it shows kind of that when a movie is good, too. It takes a lot of luck, you know, like all of these people going to auditions. It's you never know what you're going to get. Right. Mm -hmm. You never know what what movie you're going to be a crew member on. You just want that job. And so it's kind of luck when it all comes together and works out. But this is just an example of like everyone having bad luck. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And it's definitely true because I mean, like I've done like a couple like short films and whatnot in the past and whatnot. And sometimes you read the script and you're like, I don't know, man, like this doesn't look Mm -hmm. like it's going to be that great. And it turns out amazing. Yeah. Um, And then sometimes you see something and you're like, this seems like pretty solid and it just doesn't execute well. Exactly. And I think it's interesting because like the thing I liked about this movie is that it does show like the guy who played Denny and the guy who played and the girl and the woman who played Claudette and basically, you know, people who like actually had roles in the movie and they're sitting around like at lunch in one scene and they're like. What what is this movie about? Like we don't know. Like we're in the movie and we don't even really get it. And it's just like we just want to like kind of get through this. And like that's just the thing. Like you kind of sometimes uh, like I just enjoyed that perspective where it's like sometimes you're just, you just you just can't really argue. You just kind of have to you know do it. And yeah, it's kind of going to turn out the way it's going to turn out. Like you kind of once you're kind of in it, there's no way out. You know, those moments are very relatable. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, You posed the question here, does the disaster artist stand on its own? I'm curious what you think. That's something, rewatching it, I think a couple weeks ago that I was thinking. um, Because, like, obviously, we both have histories with The Room. Like, we knew about The Room before the disaster artist. And a lot of the moments that made me laugh were references to, like, okay, Denny's way too old and, and shooting on digital and uh film doesn't make any sense like those are things mm-hmm. that i i knew because of the room and so that just made me wonder is like am i laughing at this because of the references or are these jokes and i think i, I don't know i'm curious what you think too because you're more of the, the joke writer between us and like you do comedy and and stuff like that w- where do you stand where, are they jokes are they references i definitely think that they are um they're heavily references i believe because you know like it's kind of there's so much um in this movie that like somebody who is um what do you call it 
who knows about all the stuff uh, that has happened on the room. Like they definitely would be like, Oh, ha ha ha. Like digital and film and Oh, ha ha ha. You know, like this, um, uh, maybe Johnny is vampire or something like that. You know, like, you know, all these like weird (laughs) facts and whatnot. Um, but no, it's, it, I definitely, I think it does stand on its own because I have shown it to a couple other people. I, I know I watched it with my mother a couple years ago and, she was like, oh, yeah, no, this movie is, like, pretty funny. Um, I don't – I think you'd enjoy it a lot more if you um, have a relationship with The Room and you kind of mm-hmm. know about it. But at the same time, you know, I think if, you, if you've if you maybe heard of The Room or don't really know about it, I think this is a cool kind of uh, introduction to that movie. Because um, I feel like, you know, The Room could introduce you to the disaster artist – in a way, but I definitely think the disaster artist is a way that somebody could be introduced to a movie like The Room. That's um, true, especially with the yeah. opening that kind of gives it context of like these are movie fans, these are movie people. This is what they think of movie of this movie. Exactly, and they definitely show like a big variety of people in that opening scene. They show like Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. They show like Kristen Bell from The Good Place. They show, you mm-hmm. know, JJ Abrams, you know. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's it's interesting seeing, you know, really highly acclaimed directors being like successful yeah, people. Yeah, being like, I love this movie. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I love it. Um I think it's and it, you know Keegan Michael Key, like so many people like, are just well known for being successful in so many different ways and just to see them all go yeah no this this movie is like really interesting um cameos as well you know brian cranston obviously and all that kind of stuff on its own i think it's like a seven or a seven and a half out of ten but like Mm -hmm. if you're a fan of the room this is like an eight or an eight and a half like it, it just it just your your love of the room will definitely help increase the way you feel about this movie that's a good point yeah it's very much like the love of the room it, it's like a weird love letter to a bad movie Hmm. yeah so how would you say you say it stands on its own or i'm conflicted yeah <laughs> i would say that i can't too. decide i think yeah looking at it as a buddy movie I could, I would watch this with like the rest of Franco's buddy movies and be like, yeah, I can I can see oh, yeah. the themes that connect here. Um, mm-hmm. If I had never seen the room, would I like it? I don't know. Yeah, that I think, I'm not sure about. I think the buddy I think the buddy helps the buddy the buddy comedy um, aspect of it definitely helps um, because there is something there between the relationship and whatnot. Also, I don't know if I've even. I, I probably have, but I'm wondering if I've even seen a movie with Dave Franco and James Franco in it, like, together before this movie. No, um, I, I can't think of one. Not sure. I feel like they might have, but hard yeah, to say. That, but. but that definitely adds a different dimension to the buddy movie where, like, we know, again, it's something that, you know, from outside the movie that these are brothers, so they are close. And so exactly. that probably helps make it feel more organic and true. Exactly. I definitely think that that kind of, like, adds into this... um to the idea of um of the buddy movie and like them being friends you just you know but i also i also think like they they're just so good in these roles dave franco and james franco i almost wonder like if you could see this like with another buddy like if you could see seth rogan as tommy wiseau and james franco as greg sestero like if it would work the same way um 
It would be weird seeing Seth Rogen play Tommy Wiseau, but it would, you know. With that laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of. What a story, Mark. <laughs> anyway, how was your sex life? Like, that would be weird. That would be so disturbing to listen to um, and to watch. But, yeah, no. I, de- I definitely think that the, the buddy movie really works here. So, shall we go a little deeper and dig into maybe some of the symbolism and the message? Yes. Um... Symbolism, I'm not 100% sure um, yeah, if me I neither. noticed I, any. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> that, that one's tough. Yeah, I, one I is, think, yeah. I think this is kind of a movie where it wasn't as maybe as thought out for the symbols. Mm-hmm. The one that I could, that maybe I most got from it is just the symbol of like Hollywood and the city of LA and all that. There's a lot of moments where that is seen as like this mecca for both of them of like this is where they want to be this is where they want to be successful and it it's constantly shutting them out and in the broader in the broader sense it kind of that whole industry completely rejected Wisso and and Cicero so yeah. as a symbol i think maybe the 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 place itself and the setting is i don't know a symbol of maybe not hostility cuz it's not like like the city was actually mean to them, but maybe they went into it a little bit with 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 a naive look that a lot of young people go there with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely. That's one thing I really like about this movie is that it really does. Um, it's it. It feels like while the characters might be naive, the the movie isn't. Like the movie is very well aware of the you know of how hollywood is and whatnot and i mean like obviously it's made by james franco who's been in hollywood for a number of years at this point oh yeah pretty much his whole life um but that's the thing i liked is that like there was a point in this movie where like it seemed like they were pretty much on the verge of being like fuck this i can't do this anymore like Mm -hmm. there was like a sad scene on a on a rooftop where exactly and the whole setting of the city is behind them and everything exactly yeah no that that's a part i really like because i don't know like it seems like a lot of these movies it seems like the the character comes to like the city and is like oh i'm I'm never gonna give up and then they never give up and then they eventually succeed mm-hmm. and it's like look i get it like you 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 never gave up and whatnot, but like this was kind of a little bit nice to see because it's um, it's somebody, it's two people going and being like, we're never going to give up, but at some point thinking like, is this even worth it? Like we're 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 going through this grueling process of going to auditions and getting rejected every single day. We're not yeah. our manager or our, uh, our agents won't like talk to us. So we can't find an agent. People don't like us. You know, people Judd Apatow screamed at me at a restaurant, you know, like that kind of shit. Um, I just, I like that they actually like acknowledge that like, look, you can, you can, you're, you're a human. You're allowed to think every now and again, like, fuck, is this worth it? Because. Yeah. yeah. And is it enough too to just like never give up? Like, yeah. Is that enough? Like, exactly. you, maybe you need a little bit more than just blind kind of mm-hmm. blind energy towards that thing. Exactly. Because it's, you know, it, it seems like it's, there's like three things you really need. And it's like, you can never give up is only one of them. And the other two are like, you need the skill set, but you also need luck, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I think it's Megan Mullally. Is she the, she Greg's mother in this movie? I think that's who. 
Yeah, yeah, and that, that's what she tells him before he moves out. Exactly. And Basically, I, like, she, she, it's not that she doubts him, but she's being more realistic about it. Yeah, and I like that this movie has, like, a, a, a center of, like, hope, but it's also, like, realistic, you know, and it's not just, like, eh. Yeah, the, I would say the yeah. characters are hopeful, but mm-hmm. the, the actual, like, perspective of the story is a little more... Not negative, but a little more realistic and realistic, even a little yeah. ironic, too, of, of looking at them like, oh, aren't they kind of dumb for doing this? Yeah, no, and I definitely I definitely like that about the movie. And I also like that it's like, you know, like you said, it kind of looks at them like, aren't they a little dumb? Like, I feel like almost in this way, like, you kind of have to have this kind of, um, like, if you're going to make it, you kind of have to just do shit, you know? Like, you just have to kind of... Mm-hmm. Not because like there are so many people who try to write things and they just they look at it and they go, no, not good enough. And they just they don't do it. You know, it's true. But these guys, they were like, look, we're making a movie, whether you like it or not, we're doing this. And yeah. that's the other thing, too. Like, that's the besides um Dave Franco's performance. Like, I definitely think he, he like his character just wanting to do it so badly that like I think that's what kind of makes it so believable that he's just kind of going along with is that he's like look like i want to make it and like we're yeah, doing this he's like movie. 19 like yeah i could totally relate to that if some weird rich vampire was like come <laughs> along with me i'm making a movie i'd be like hell yeah yeah you'd be like <laughs> fuck man like let's do it and then like also i mean like these guys also just do not understand like the way you make a movie so like i always find that i always find dave franco really cracks me up in um in this, with the scene with Jason Mantzoukas and Hannibal Burris with the uh, mm. buying the cameras, yeah, just the, just the fact that he's like, we're gonna buy both, and he's like, buy you, you could just rent. It's gonna be way cheaper. <laughs> and Dave Franco's just smiling. Nobody and, buys shit. Yeah, Dave Franco's just like, no, we're just. He knows, like, we're gonna do, we're gonna do this together, and he's just like totally into it. And he, he's just like doesn't even know what the what he's getting himself into. Like, I just yeah. find that hilarious. How he's like just so blind to like how how things work but it's not like stupidity it's just naivete and whatnot yeah and it ties into i think what the overall message is which is never giving up at yeah at that kind of dream which is you know it adds an optimistic quality to everything absolutely i definitely think like this has like a a bit more to it than just like don't give up but i definitely think that's one of the themes in this is like you should just you should just do what you want to do and you shouldn't let anybody tell you otherwise and i think that's one thing i like about this movie i like movies that have like a like just comedies that are kind of lighthearted and easy to you know like very palatable and um you know have like a positive message i definitely think that that this movie succeeds in in giving you that you know yeah i don't very easy. I don't know if it succeeds at like positivity throughout. Mm-hmm. I, I I think the ending is a little bit of a bummer. Of like, yeah, for sure. It felt like Wisso kind of ruined Sistero's life and then showed up again and was like, "Hey, you want to go to my premiere?" And I kind of felt bad for him, but yeah, also I can see why. You know, he's <laughs> he's not he had very little else going on in his life, so yeah. That's true. And I guess the other thing is, too, I say positivity also because I feel like after a while, this, while it was a bummer, this kind of did have like a good, um, a good turnout. Like it, like it says at the end, like this movie eventually turned to profit, um, which like is, which is great to hear because I mean, when you hear the movie costs six million, 
dollars to make. Fucking hell! And it made eighteen thousand. You're kind of like, yikes! That is. It costs six million, and it could have cost like shit. I don't know, ten thousand. Yeah. I feel like I could have made this movie like for free, honestly. And that's true. In if some I knew parts. someone who lived like in the, you know, an apartment building, I could shoot in without a permit. Yeah, <laughs> on like I a couple of DSLRs. <laughs> yeah, I just contact my improv group. I'm like, hey man, you wanna wanna do this movie? <laughs> you wanna make the room? Uh, I don't know why he he thought it would be a good idea to buy these cameras, but. That's one of the jokes in the movie I really find hilarious, how he has yeah. so much money and nobody knows why. Yeah. It's true to life. Who knows yeah. what the hell? Yeah. I think there was a theory that he was like importing leather jackets or something, and that's how he made money. But that's like the weirdest, most obscure thing I've ever heard. I mean, who knows? It could be anything from, yeah, importing clothes to drugs or shit. Maybe <laughs> he's a war criminal. That's why yeah. <laughs> his name's secret. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised. Um... <laughs> It's interesting, too, because I think in recent years, like, since the movie has come out, Tommy Wiseau, he's actually, it's been revealed, like, when he was, like, how old he is and where he's from. Oh, really? Yeah. He he is 64. Okay. <laughs> Not really surprising. Um, <laughs> and he is from Poland. Oh, nice. My people. Yeah. I mean, like, everyone was kind of like, he sounds like Polish. And he's like, no, New Orleans. You know, it's just like. <laughs> no, it's true. He definitely sounds like like my grandma's. Like, it's that level of accent. It's like if my grandma tried to pass herself off as from New Orleans, I'd be like, no, you're not. That's Eastern European. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. He's. I got to say, though, he is, he is like jacked. Like, he looks like he, he works <laughs> That's out true. all the time. I got to say. That's true. He's dedicated. Dedicated. In all facets of life. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing I really like about this movie is you don't see a lot of these movies where they talk about the making of a movie that's so, like, obviously terrible and has, mm -hmm. has such a reputation for being horrible. Um, you see a lot of adaptations talking about, like, the making of great movies, um that's like, true or just movies about making movies stuff yeah like, like eight and a half or yeah you know. exactly um that's a great movie by the way i haven't seen all Fuck of it yeah. but it's a really good one um oh, one of my faves fellini right yeah oh yeah but yeah no you don't see a lot of movies that are like well you definitely you probably see like fictional portrayals and whatnot of like the making of something really terrible but mm -hmm. there's something different about seeing something that's like based on a true event you know something that's like this is uh something that actually happened yeah like a biopic like about a biopic yeah and i feel like there's only two movies that really tackle this um the first being the one of them being the disaster artist but the other one being ed wood uh tim yeah. burton's film there's definitely a lot of similarities there 100 percent. yeah no it's definitely i think it's interesting um ed wood because that's from more the perspective of the director right yeah it is it's very but it still has that soul of like a buddy movie where it's like Ed becomes friends with an old legend, Bella Lugosi, and like he yeah. he has this very ideal view of Hollywood and making movies, and he kind of follows his heart to try and make this with his friend. It's also got you know, it's a comedy too, a different kind of comedy. It's definitely a lot more of a dry kind of. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I remember that. I have. It's been a. It's been years since I've seen it. You've seen it more recently than I have. Um, 
but I remember it being like really just like um like I like I just that's the one thing I really love about this movie is like um in, in comparison to the, to the disaster artist is that like I remember the ending of the movie Ed Wood being like the premiere of Plan Nine from Outer Space yeah and it's so romantic and like he goes off and gets married and like, yeah he he succeeded yeah like that's what it was that's what was funny to me is that like I it was before I'd even like heard of Plan Nine from Outer Space like I saw Ed would and was like oh like that was like he was like a bad movie director and then he mm-hmm. made plan nine from outer space and it was like awesome and then i found out no it was actually like one of the worst movies ever made <laughs> but yeah in his eyes he like succeeded and he did yeah he did what he wanted to do and i think that that's so interesting you know like i think that's what what works so well about it is mm-hmm. that the it's what disaster artist kind of tries to do and maybe half does it with their idealized look at um their idealized look at Hollywood mm-hmm. because I, I love that moment in Edwood where he gives up making plan nine and he goes to a bar to have some drinks. I don't know if this happened in real life, but it serves a story where like he runs into yeah. Orson Welles, who's like his idol. And that's kind of the breaking point that convinces him to like, I love Hollywood. I love making movies. I'm going to make my movie. I'm going to finish making my movie. Yeah. And, like, I, I found the message of that a lot more hopeful and mm-hmm. like it was more generous to the main characters. Again, Edward might have been a total prick in real life, mm-hmm. but yeah. as far as the message goes of like, just do it for the love of movies, that oh, that's yeah. what really inspires me about it more than the disaster artist where the disaster oh, yeah. artist makes me feel kind of bad for them and like laugh at them, but... Edward, I'm laughing with them, I guess. Yeah, no, that's a really good way of putting it. I definitely like, I, like I said, I, I can't really remember Edward all that well, but I definitely felt very like hopeful watching it. And just the fact that it felt like it ended on like a successful kind of note, like he mm-hmm. made this thing, even if it wasn't like good, like, you know, um, I think I've told you before, like I, I made this like one movie when I was like, between high school and university like i just got all my friends and i was like i'm gonna make this movie and like i tried in the past and like tried to make movies and like it never really worked out and then this one time i was just like nah i'm gonna i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna make this film and like just doing it and accomplishing that is just this amazing like feeling that you've you've set out to do something and you've finished it exactly movies a piece of shit but that's not the point, you know, that's like not, it's, that wasn't your story. That the story is yeah. you succeeded. Exactly. Success is what we what we tell people, you know, we yeah, you know, it's in and the thing is, too, like you learn so much from these experiences when you feel like you've succeeded. You can look back on mm-hmm. them more positively than just giving up, you know? Yeah. Looking um, at it as like, what, what did I learn from that? What is yeah. it like to actually make a whole movie? Mm-hmm, exactly. And like, I definitely think like Ed Wood probably would not to compare myself to like Ed Wood and whatnot, not to be like, I mean, oh, look, you know. plan, plan nine's pretty bad. So <laughs> who knows? Well, Hey, like we said earlier, I don't know if I could ever make anything that bad. So he's got a leg up on me. I think that's just interesting. Like, and I definitely think like in comparison to the, to the disaster artist, you just feel kind of, you feel worse for them because it's depicted like he makes this movie and then he gets laughed at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one thing I always had a hard time with was this movie is like at the end, um, of the room, Johnny kills himself. That's like the ending of the movie. Yeah. Um, in the theater. <clears throat> 
at the end of the disaster artist when he puts the gun in his mouth everybody's like do it like they're like chanting do it yeah and it's like yikes that is it's dark it's such a mean tone at points yeah it kind of gets a little like lost you know um mm-hmm. i definitely like i get the mean tone like i i get the the mean tone and with the jet Apatow cameo but like when it's like getting to the end and it's like he 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 makes this movie and everyone's laughing at it and mm-hmm. you know the only thing that really like redeems it is the fact that james franco plays it like with so much you know kind of like innocence almost but at the same time like even though he does kind of play like a prick there's something likable about him but there's something intriguing about him i don't know i don't know if i get likable but like i want to see more of him i'm like yeah on what's going through his head exactly if it's not likable or likability it's definitely something where like you you don't hate watching him like you no not you you like watching him like he might i don't know yeah like i don't know if i'd say like I like him and want him to succeed, but like, I definitely, I don't hate seeing him on the screen. If anything, mm-hmm. I'd love to hate him, you know? Yeah. Um, he's, he's not like a despicable character. Um, yeah. And I guess that speaks to like, look, despite the story elements being similar between Ed Wood, they're very different because of their mm-hmm. tones like that, because 100%. The, the main character in Ed Wood is depicted as like very innocent and naive and, mm-hmm. and, and, but in a, in a childlike way where you're like, you're, you root for him. But for Tommy, it's more like you root against him throughout that movie. Like, you want everyone else to end up okay. Tommy, Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, don't fuck up Greg's life, basically. (laughs) That's the thing. That always bothered me about the disaster artist, too, is that, like, him and... Maybe it's just because I'm, like, a a super, like, hard romantic and whatnot. Like, I'm super into rom-coms and whatnot. Always makes me sad that him and Allison Brie, like, kind of break out. Oh, my God, same. That was the biggest bummer. Like, don't do that for Tommy or so. Yeah. Like, he was just, and then it was just, she was so disappointed in him, too. And, like, I was almost thinking, I'm like, is, well, is she maybe not a not a good girlfriend? And I was thinking about it. I'm like, no, she's a great girlfriend. She literally <laughs> she got him an opportunity. Literally. Like, for Malcolm in the Middle. That's yes. huge. Literally. Huge show. Huge. That was, that was the show growing up, honestly. Yeah. Um. How? How could you, how could you throw that away? Um, but yeah. yeah. No, that, that's something, too, where it, it's definitely, I think, um, whether we whether we can agree that Tommy is likable, I think he's I think he's an interesting character who has some likable elements. Fair um, enough. Yeah, I definitely would say Ed Wood is a lot more likable and a lot more um, somebody that you can root for a lot more. Yeah, and whether that's realistic or not, who's to say? But as far as the movie's portrayal, because yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably more accurate the disaster artist to the what happened in real life because of the way Tommy's portrayed, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, because it is based off of like a, a a book that was written by like a guy who was super close to um, Tommy Wiseau, but. I definitely think, like, for the movie's sake, like, you brought up, does the movie stand on its own? Um, I definitely think, like, Ed Wood is more, um, I think it definitely stands on its own a lot more because 
I saw that movie when I was a kid and I absolutely loved it. And I had never even like heard of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Same. That's where I first heard of it. And like like yeah. you said, I, I didn't know it was bad. I didn't know anything about it. I was just like, wow, this makes me want to make a movie. Like, absolutely. I don't know if I could say the same if I had never seen The Disaster Artist. That might discourage me. hundred <laughs> percent. Like it's definitely something where you're like, oh man, like I don't know, man. Like you definitely, I think you ha- kind of have to see the room first to be like, okay, like... I definitely wouldn't make a movie that bad. And then you can enjoy The Disaster <laughs> yes. Artist. But if you just watch The Disaster Artist, I think you're going to be like, oh, I'm not, I'll never make movies. I'm just going to, I'll do something else. I'll, you know, I'll just be a cashier or something. Like yeah. you would just totally give up on your dreams. Yeah, um, just tear up the diploma. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> what have we worked for? Nothing. Let's let's get rid of it. Um, yeah, no, but I definitely think the, the Ed Wood is... You know, even though it's something that didn't work out well, it is still something where you're like, as long as you're doing what makes you happy, I think that's the that's the real success story mm-hmm. right there. You know? Yeah, follow your heart, I guess. 100%. So what can we learn from looking at The Room and The Disaster Artist? I think the biggest thing that I would take away from it is be open to criticism. <laughs> like i would hate to ever be the tyrant like writer or director who like people are scared to be like hey you know that's wrong like yeah no because you're you're hopefully surrounded by people who you want to actually watch this at the end of it right exactly when one of your peers goes what is this character's motivation like Mm -hmm. you need to have an answer and if your answer doesn't make sense you need to be willing to change it and adapt it and work with people exactly yeah like you gotta you gotta understand like it's your movie and that's your thing but at the same time like you're not going to be the only one seeing it you know you want to do something that's um that's enjoyable for a large audience of people you know yeah and just enjoyable for like the whole group making it right you can't make a movie alone so i mean you could but yeah, it's kind of weird, you know, when you're playing every role by yourself and writing everything. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's it's super odd. Like you're just like, okay, this is weird, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I would definitely agree with that. I think it's I think being open to criticism and just like knowing what other people want. Like I think that that's a big step in the process. Um, because like you know everybody like there's this whole thing where like people are like, oh, you know, don't sell out to the studio and whatnot. Like. I'm not going to lie. Like, sometimes the studio has a point, you know? I'm not saying mm-hmm. that they're always right, but, you know. No, but there, there's people there who are experienced, especially, like, compared to either of us, right? So mm-hmm. at least consider what their criticism would be. Yeah. I mean, like, in the end, like, it's not everybody's against you. you you're trying to make something together. You want to succeed and make something good. Like, the whole point of making a movie is, like, to entertain or make somebody feel something, right? Like, you want to you wanna make sure you do that right. Um, Everyone wants to succeed. Yeah, of course. You know, nobody wants to fail. That's the thing, too, you know? Um, mm-hmm. After making the... After seeing The Room, sometimes it would be fun to imagine making a horrible movie and trying to fail. Like, just imagining... The, the thought has crossed my mind. It would It would be really interesting, right? Like, it would be like very... purposely bad. Yeah, I'd like to see, like, a purposely bad movie with, like, really, like... Like, the highest caliber of, like, actors. Like, I want to see, like, a... Like, a really bad, like, 80s slasher movie starring, like, 
Daniel Day-Lewis and Meryl Streep. Like, I wanted to be, like, the, the best actors in the worst thing possible, you know? And, like, um, the biggest talent behind the cameras and editing <laughs> and stuff. Like. It's, like, directed by Scorsese. And it's, yeah. like, yeah, just this But it's just, like, movie. an Ed, Ed Wood-written thing or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was always thinking, too, because, like, I think when I was in, like, middle school or, like... I think even elementary school, like I would write these little scripts and then like I found them like a year or two ago and they're so like (laughs) awful. And I just like to see like just to see these horrible written scripts. Like it's kind of like what Jimmy Fallon does on his show. Like he gets like Mm -hmm. actors to come on and he gets he tells like um, like first graders like the name of the movie and then they like write a script and then they like perform this like yeah. terrible script. I think it's so funny. Like Michael Keaton doing like Birdman. And he's like, you know, touch my beak or something. It's like he's got some <laughs> weird lines or something like that that these like first yeah. graders wrote. Um, yeah, we got to do that. We should. We should. We should. We should get Daniel Day Lewis on the phone. Yeah, I'll we, call him up. Yeah, we know you retired after Phantom Thread, but uh, I think this is a great. He retires problem. after every movie. He'll be back. He'll be back for our second grade production. <laughs> Come on, don't don't be a stranger, man. Um, yeah, no, I th- I think there's a lot to learn about um filmmaking from a bad movie. You know, I think it's um because there's a lot. Like I know James Franco when he was uh, promoting this movie, he was saying there was a lot that's similar to the production of The Disaster Artist. That's similar to the production of like a really good movie, um, mm. and how these guys kind of got kind of like they got they made a movie so bad and they got kind of the same response like they got a cult following they got like so many fans it's one of the most quotable movies of all time um definitely you know off the top of my head i can think of i can think of way more lines from this movie than i can think of lines from like spinal tap or something like that like this movie is so quotable how about uh performance wise is there anything that stands out for you like in any of the the comedic bits that I don't know anything innovative that you would notice or that you would you would like to emulate. In, in which ones, like the disaster artist or the room? Uh, disaster artist. I mean, let's hopefully not emulate the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like it's it's definitely like um I I would definitely I think there's a little bit more that we can see from like Ed Wood and whatnot. I think that's I think Johnny Depp's performance as Ed Wood is fantastic. I think he. He's so good in that movie. That was like peak Johnny Depp in the nineties. Oh, just the stuff he was doing. Like he, he's, he's. I'll argue, and I think that Johnny Depp's an amazing actor who does just dumb movies, and he just makes bad choices. Um, just looking at his character in Ed Wood, I definitely think that he really, um, he made this this character who's somebody like you. You kind of look at and you're like man, like, you're kind of an idiot, but, like, you kind of just, you support him and you like him. I think that's a hard thing to do, you know? Yeah, the, Johnny Depp was fantastic in the 90s. Yeah, Edward Scissorhands, one of my favorite movies of all time. But this was this was such a good one, uh, Ed Wood, because he was just, he was just, like, you, you just, when he was failing, you felt bad for him, but you also, yeah, you just, like we said, you, just, you wanted him to succeed. Like, that's yeah. just... That's just something I think, like, I don't know what nuances he brought to the character because I haven't seen it in so long. But he definitely just has this charm about him where he's just so... Um... The other thing is, too, is that he, he just exudes so much positivity. It's true. His view on his movies is so 
optimistic of like just only be like one shot's enough it's gonna be fine one takes good they tell him you got to make this movie in four days he's like i'm gonna do it easy like it's it's admirable yeah exactly like you almost there's a scene in disaster artist where like greg asks tommy he's like hey can i get the day off tomorrow because i got this like this uh role on like malcolm in the middle like you could just see, I could just see like somebody asking Ed Wood that, and you'd be like, absolutely, we're going we're gonna to work around it. Like he would just, mm-hmm. he would, he can't say no to anyone. He can't say no to anybody. And I think that's such like a, that's just like a sweet thing about this like character. And I just, I just think that that's something that's very um, interesting about, about this movie is that he's just such a, he's just so likable. Definitely. Like he, I just remember him being so likable and it just, almost like dumb just this dumb like i've heard actors say it too where they just have to have this almost like ignorance to them to just do something like (laughs) that's emptier mind yeah just kind of like you just kind of kind of do shit like you can't really like think too hard about things sometimes like you know i think if you're like in some cases the editing process is you know if you're if you're harsh and whatnot i definitely think that that helps but at the same time like if you're too harsh like you're never gonna get anywhere you know this guy, it just seems like he was like, no, fuck it, man. Like, we're just going to do it. We're going to go. You're going to say yes to everything, you know, and we're not going to give up, you know. And that's that's yeah. what I think is so interesting about this. He'll at least get the movie done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, man, uh, you finish it. That's the that's, that's half the, the battle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the success. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about um? Because like I I I get the feeling Johnny Depp's version of Edward is probably like you know his own uh, his own interpretation of the character because there wasn't really as much footage of him existing. But for James Franco portraying Tommy Wiseau, he's able to do like a really solid impression of him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm yeah. curious: is there a line for you between like impression and performance? Like, do you think he he rides that line, or does he do it well? Because I feel like he 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 plays the character well, but he also clearly has been practicing his Wiseau. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, I definitely think like it's interesting to kind of look at. Like, I just love how we're talking about the room and the disaster artist, like this Tommy Wiseau guy, and we're making comparisons to like these incredible movies. Like we brought a whiplash earlier and whatnot. <laughs> and I just find it I just find it funny. I remember we were talking about Zach Efron a bit earlier too. So Zach Efron played um Ted Bundy in Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. I think that was the name of it. So that that Netflix movie he did where he played Ted Bundy. Um, yeah, he played like a steamy Ted Bundy. Yeah, oh yeah, he was. <laughs> he's a charmer. He's he's a <laughs> he's a charming he's a charming dude. Um, and I I thought he was great as Ted Bundy, but I remember he was in an interview and he was talking about that and he was saying, um, you know, there's that he he didn't want to do like an impression of Ted Bundy, but he also wanted right. to he wanted to he wanted to have like his own kind of. Um, idea of who he was in his own like kind of portrayal of him but he there there has to be i think when you play like a real life person like there has to be you can't just kind of play it as yourself you know like you gotta you gotta kind of do something with the fact that um this person had their own quirks and characteristics you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um yeah because like if you just if if james franco walked into this movie and he was tommy wiseau and he was like hey man what's up you know like that would just you'd be like, what the fuck? Like you, it just, it wouldn't be real and it wouldn't be right. But he has to, he has to like, cause there's some iconic things about 
YSO that are so recognizable, you need to have them there. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, too, I feel like he's also at a challenge because he, like, he can't just do like a Polish accent. He couldn't just do a Polish accent at the time because nobody knew where the hell he was from, really. Um, but I also think like I do think that he does a really good job where he is definitely getting deeper uh, than like just an impression. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, he's definitely practicing his, his Wiseau impression for sure. hundred percent. And there are definitely a few times, like when he first walks on screen, I feel like he's, he's doing a Wiseau impression, but it kind of grows. Yeah. Like as the movie goes on, you definitely get, you find those layers and you like kind of peel them back and you see a little bit more about who he is underneath and you kind of start to pity him and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a really, I think he kind of eventually falls right into the character and, it is a really good performance. He, like I said earlier, he he won a Golden Globe for playing Tommy Wiseau. I think it was earned. I think he, I think he did a really good job with it, and um, I'm glad that he he got recognition for it. Um, but yeah, no, it's I definitely, I definitely think there is a line where you have to you have to kind of play it, make it your own, but you have to respect the source material, and I think he does a good job with it. Absolutely. It's a challenge. Absolutely. It's hard to say with, uh, I'd be very curious to know how Johnny Depp's is and like relation to Ed Wood. Um, but it's hard to say because. Yeah. Cause he didn't really get any recognition until like the eighties, like after he died. So I, I think he does well. I think he I does think he very does well. well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I think we've learned a lot from looking at the disaster artist and looking at bad movies and whatnot. Um, before we end off and go into our last little bit here, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think I think that's it. I think I think we've we've unpacked a lot of great ideas here. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I'm really glad that we've had this conversation. It was a it was a fun time talking about this uh, this horrible horrible film. <laughs> um. <laughs> and the pretty solid version of the it's, it's making. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the Disaster Artist might not be the greatest movie ever made, but it definitely is. Um, definitely has some originality behind it, and I really I really appreciate that it was made. I appreciate it too. I think it's it's a great addition to fans of bad. movies movies it's a great addition to franco's uh buddy movie you know oh, collection yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> in yeah. that sense it works oh yeah no for sure he definitely has a collection of these buddy movies and whatnot um fits in very well next to pineapple express um yeah a lot less weed in this one though um yeah like a <laughs> lot less um <laughs> anyway to end off our episode we're gonna give you our three favorite uh so bad they're good movies uh we're gonna exclude the room as we've just kind of we've pretty much you know kind of exhausted that i feel like that's pretty it's i think it's everybody's favorite at this point so we're gonna find um three different ones uh for us that we can both um talk about a little bit uh how about you go first okay from least favorite to most favorite bad movies i've got to give an honorable mention to spider-man 3 did not make the cut but that's only because I don't actually think it's a bad movie. Yeah, no, I don't think it's that <laughs> terrible either. I think it's just overloaded with, you know, um, yeah, with good ideas. And then, yeah, there's there's also Tobey Maguire dancing. So, yeah, it's overstuffed. There's some there's a lot of interesting choices, um, but <laughs> I think overall it holds up 
better than even some of the bad it, it holds up better than like a, a c-tier mcu movie i think oh, like yeah. it it could totally go head to head with some of the you know middling mcu movies like it's i i'd watch it before thor thor the dark world you know oh man yeah no i don't even think i've ever even like finished that movie that's uh, no exactly at, like yeah. at least spider-man 3 is fun it's stylish it's got a great score and a lot of snappy camera absolutely um, but from yeah. three to one, I've got three. Freddy's dead. Um, <laughs> it's a it. It really is the peak de-evolution of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yeah. I as the series goes on, it starts off as a very serious horror movie, and oh, as yeah. it goes on, I feel like around the second or third. They start making Freddy more quippy. And for the record, my favorite is Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors. Um, Oh, that's a great one. It's so good. It has a great soundtrack. But Freddy's Mm -hmm. Dead is my favorite of the bad ones because it's so... It's completely dropped any uh, pretenses that it's a horror movie. It is just a comedy where Freddy kills people and makes quips. Um, My favorite of his quips is the Now You're Playing With Power where he's... He killed someone with a Nintendo game. That's a great one. So that deserves a spot on my list. Yeah, is that the one where he's like the power glove or something like yeah, that? That's yeah, it makes a power glove reference. <laughs> so that's just that's just peak late eighties garbage. Yeah, uh, next, I've got Cats, the recent one. Oh yes. Um, maybe it's recency bias, but probably the most fun. <laughs> I've had heckling a movie in recent memory. Oh yeah. It's it's immediately become a, a culturally significant bad movie and I look forward to more bit midnight screamings of it or oh, midnight screenings yeah. of it where we all scream at the at the theater. Yeah, no, I'm disappointed I never actually saw or I haven't seen it yet cuz it's um it looks dreadful but it looks really really fun though. To, as to soon as we're out. allowed to gather We'll go see it, I promise. Awesome. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And my number one, so bad it's good, is uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. <laughs> um, I love this movie. Oh, it's man. so bad. It's so it's it's the, the movie that's furthest removed from the franchise. I think any of the movies from the franchise really could have been on this list. Oh, yeah. But they're so much fun. And this one, yeah. I mean... It's notable that they have like a 30 year old playing a high schooler. <laughs> that alone is just like yeah. distractingly bad. Oh, yeah. Terrible dialogue. It's, it somehow takes place in the future if you follow Fast and Furious continuity. Yeah, that, that never made any sense. Um, <laughs> but that was, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's a fun time if you if you know the franchise it's a classic mm, absolutely i definitely think that after this one they kind of uh i think like once they got to like fast six they were like you know what we should really just embrace the the silliness we really should we should really stop trying to be super serious here like we're, we're you know they're they're making a ninth one right now tenth if you count Hobbs and shaw and like it's I don't, true i don't think that they're really um trying to be too serious anymore um, yeah and so this is kind of the one that came out before them trying to make good movies or mm-hmm. sorry before them realizing that like mm-hmm. they're making bad movies this movie still thinks it's good and that's what makes it so bad it's good yeah exactly 
I also have to say everything on my list is stuff that like I do genuinely like, like not even ironically. If a movie's bad, but it entertains me, I like it. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. No shade at those movies. Yeah, no, honestly, there are some movies that like are really bad that I just absolutely love. Like the ones on my list, like, hey, these are these are good movies to me. Well, they're good movies just in the wrong way, we should say. Exactly. Not the way they were intended. Not the way they were intended. They're all great comedies, though. Um, very very funny um had a great time (laughs) um i laughed just thinking about number three oh man what are yours number three is um roadhouse the patrick swayze classic Mm. Mm. just love action movies and i love when they get this ridiculous um you know this became like a joke on family guy where he just kicks everybody um roadhouse roadhouse yeah no it's hilarious (laughs) um but also, this, I love one-liners in movies, and this one has probably the greatest one-liner of all time. Definitely. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> How did that ever... You know what? I'm not complaining, though. Not it's frightening. It's, it is frightening. <laughs> it's terrifying. It works. But it's very funny. It's a very... It's, it's one of those lines where you're like, wait, what? Before you, like, continue, you know? <laughs> There's layers to unpack. Layers to unpack. It's a very... It's, it's, it's good. It's, a, it's, a, it's also got, like, the best... One of the best kills. Like, ripping someone's throat out. Oh yeah, no, that's fantastic. A, that's a good one. There's also this scene that's super underrated where like there's there's this like bear statue or something like that. And Patrick Swayze like knocks it over on the guy and the guy's like <laughs> no 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 nah! where he gets like crushed and it's hilarious. I I like recorded it when I saw it and like I watch it to this day. I think it's hilarious. A classic. Classic. Uh number 2 is Batman and Robin, the Joel <laughs> Schumacher classic. Um, it's interesting that they cast George Clooney as Batman. Um, don't really know where that idea came from, but, um, honestly, in a better Batman movie, I betcha he would be regarded as like one of the best. Yeah. I definitely, at least at the very least, he'd be regarded as one of the best Bruce Wayne's. Yeah, um, that's true. That's, that's, that's a good point. hundred percent see him as that, but I definitely could see him like potentially being like, a. Like a good, a good Batman, at least, at least, you know, like a, you know, better than like Adam West or like, you know, Val Kilmer or something like that. Um, yeah, no. These movies, they're kind of nostalgic for me because like I watched these like on like uh Teletoon or something like when I was like, a Yeah, child. these were the Batman movies when we were kids. Yeah. Like, before, before Batman begins, like this is what was available. 100%. I would, I'd honestly probably say that, um... Michael Keaton might be my favorite Batman, um, even yeah. more than Christian Bale. I just, I don't know. Like, I got to rewatch th- all the movies to really make a good point, but I definitely feel like Michael Keaton was more my kind of thing, my cup of tea. But Batman and Robin, though, just, ooh, just Arnold as Mr. Freeze. And, you know, you had Alicia Silverstone as cat or, or not a bat woman like what was mm-hmm. i don't know why the casting was the way it was but it's such late 90s fun. casting such late 90s casting also the fact that he freezes an entire city <laughs> just my god this movie is a cartoon and it's glorious it's true it is a, a 90 minute action figure commercial and for that <laughs> i applaud it 
Absolutely. I also love the hockey scene in this movie. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I notice a trend here. Yeah. Good, a lot of good uh, one-liners. A Arnold, lot of good one-liners. Roadhouse. Yeah. And, of course, number one has maybe the most one-liners underneath uh, the room is uh, The Wicker Man with Nicolas yeah. Cage. One I have yet to see, but I have seen little clips of it. Really? Oh, man, this is a good one. Um, this movie is just, it's definitely one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, there's one of those classic scenes where, you know, the character does something. He wakes up from a dream only to realize it's a dream within a dream. <laughs> Hilarious film. Definitely one of the best, uh, Nicolas Cage, uh, movies out there. And, uh, I must say, like, if you haven't seen this movie, I would definitely check it out. Just right, don't expect going on a list. Yeah, do not expect Midsommar or the original <laughs> Wicker Man. Um, it's also kind of nice because it almost feels like if you watch it as a comedy, it feels like a parody of like cult movies, which is mm. like kind of funny. Um, just except for the ending. The ending is like, okay, well, fuck. Like, that was kind of dark. But anyway, uh, what can you do? Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our very first episode of the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. Um, on our next episode, we're going to dig in and talk about Adam Sandler, uh, an actor who's made a lot of bad movies, but he's also made some good ones. Uh, he's got some good performances here and there. Punch Drunk Love, Uncut Gems, Meyerowitz Stories. And next week, we're or whenever we do this next, I'm not sure when it is. Um, we're definitely going to dig in and, you know, give the guy some credit where credit is due. Definitely. I definitely think every every actor has got some got some good stuff. And I think Adam Sandler uh, doesn't get enough credit for the, the good things that he does. But this has been a, a great chat. Uh, thank yes. you, as always, Greg. Thank you, Matt. And um, yeah, and uh, we will see you next time. So thanks everyone who listened to our inaugural episode of the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. We sincerely hope you enjoyed it, despite the fact that we're still working out some kinks. Follow us on Twitter at Halcon Media or find all of our relevant links over at halconmedia.com. <laughs>